I was with my son this past week, Liam, and he was wanting to go on a date with daddy. So I took him to a coffee shop and we sat down to get some, I, he wasn't getting coffee, I was getting coffee. He was getting some chocolate milk and I was getting him a blueberry muffin. And so we're sitting there and I'm drinking my coffee. He's drinking his chocolate milk, eating his muffin. He's looking around the room, observing everything, everyone. He looks up on the wall and he keeps pointing at this poster of these coffee beans. And he's saying, what's that, daddy? What's that? And, and I was going to say it's coffee beans, but I didn't know. I, for some reason, I just thought he's not going to understand that he eats beans. He loves taco bueno. Those don't look like taco bueno beans. And so I was, I was like, that's coffee, Liam. And he knows what coffee is because he always sees me and Ashley drinking coffee. And he goes, no, daddy, what's that? I said, it's coffee. And he goes, no, 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 no. What's that? And finally I go, Liam, and I point at my drink and I point at the poster, I say, coffee. And his eyes are kind of like, huh? And I go, it's coffee before it's coffee. And he's really confused, like, what? <laughs> and finally he looks at the poster, he looks back at my drink and he goes, coffee. I said, that's right. And I had this awesome moment where I taught my son what coffee is before it's coffee. And I thought about, as I was looking at that poster of those beans, I was thinking about how everything, everything in this world is in a process before it becomes the thing it was created to be. That really those beans, even before those beans turned into a, a cup of coffee, they started out as little seeds that were sprouting from a plant in, in Africa or in South America. That those little seeds sprouting from a plant would eventually fall off and dry up and then they would be bagged up and just like seeds are planted in a ground and those seeds produce big trees down the road, everything starts small before it becomes the thing that it was meant to be. Everything starts in a form before it gets to the uh, uh, destination form that it was created to be. And just like you and me in this life, we are constantly becoming who God's called us to be. You haven't arrived yet. And that's good news, church. God's not finished with you yet. If there's breath in your lungs, you're still being, uh, uh, becoming who God's called you to be as a man, as a woman, as a, as a leader, as a minister, as a business person. And not just you, but I would even say the occupation or the season that you're in is also informing in a process of what God has intended for it to be. So the title of this message is, There's More Than Meets the Eye. There's more than meets the eye. There's more than meets the eye of the current room you're sitting in. There's more than meets the eye of the pastor you're listening to. There's more than meets the eye of the job that you have right now. There's more than meets the eye of the person sitting next to you. There's more potential that you can't see. It's hidden deep down inside you that God wants to bring forth in the current and for your future. See, I believe there's more than meets the eye for where God is taking you. It may not seem like much right now, but I'm, I, I'm telling you today, get ready. God has more in store than you've seen yet. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has perceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Everybody say there's more than meets the eye. I think about in my own life how so many times I've judged a season. 
and I thought there's really not much here. Discouraged by circumstances, feeling stressed out and worried about how finances are gonna come in. Looking at my current uh, situation and going, God, I don't know how this is gonna turn around. This relationship, it just seems like it's lost. It seem, seems like this is how it's always gonna be. But I believe that deep underneath those circumstances, God's wanting to stir something up in us. And I think about how coffee beans, they've gotta be pressed. They've gotta be grinded. They've gotta be heated up and boiled to finally be productive for the use that they were created to be. And sometimes we have to go through a press season. Sometimes we have to go through a buried season before the seed begins to sprout. Sometimes you gotta go through a heated season where it just seems like there's so much tension, so many circumstances, but God is looking for a man a woman who would take the limits off and say there's more than meets the eye in the current season that I'm in as a stay-at-home mom, as, as, a, as a worker at Starbucks, as a worker at Quick Trip, in the current job that I have, there's more than meets the eye. God has more in store than what I'm seeing right now. The question is, can you see it? Can you see the potential of what God has for you in this season and in the next season? So many times I think we're overwhelmed with worry. I remember when I graduated from ORU and I was looking for a job and, and I was so excited on graduation day. And then the next day I was like, oh snap, what am I gonna do with my life? <laughs> and then I thought, am I gonna live with my parents the rest of my life and have to bum off their money and, and ask for help all the time? And, am I gonna get married and what's gonna happen? And I was so worried that I couldn't see what maybe God was wanting me to see in that moment. And I believe there's people here today that maybe you've just experienced a setback. But I believe God's saying that setback is really a setup for a comeback. That circumstance that you're facing is really a setup for you to fix your eyes on what is not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, it's not in the natural yet. You've got to reach deep down in the supernatural and go, I think there's more that God has in store for me, not just 20 years down the road, but right in this season. My dad used to take me, John, Sarah, and Ruthie, my sisters, out to undeveloped land. In fact, before this auditorium was built, this used to be a big field. In fact, cows used to uh, uh, gaze on this pasture, and, and, and it was just an ugly brown field. And he would take us out here, and he'd say, what do you see? And we see a field. And then it became a soccer field. We see a soccer field, Dad. And he would say, one day, I see an auditorium reaching thousands of people. I see a TV ministry reaching millions of people. I see a dream center one day helping those that are hurting in our city, reaching out to the poor. I see a mobile kids truck going out into the highways and the byways, ministering to the homeless. I see a hospital for the hurting. I see a charter school. I see a school over here. I see a school over there. I see a Bible college planting more Bible colleges all over the world. And we're scratching our eyes going, we don't see any of this. Where is it? But the point was he saw it in here before it happened out there. The question is, can you see what God has in store for you? See, Oral Roberts University was not built because someone had a bunch of money and a bunch of opportunities and everybody said, here it all is, Oral, now go ahead and do it. No, it was built because one man hold on to a dream. He held on to a vision from God. And God said, Oral, you're not the first person I've given this vision to. 
In fact, there's three other people that I tried to give it to, but they wouldn't do it. You're just the first person to believe the vision can come to pass. You're the first person to hold on to it and obey the word that I've spoken. And so Oral would persist and push through to see that vision come to pass. Here's what a vision does for us. Proverbs 29 says, without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, people cast off restraint. When you get a vision from God, man, it stirs you. It stirs up your work ethic. It stirs up your self-discipline. It gets you focused. You're not just wandering aimlessly through your life. You've got a vision. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. I'm not an accident and I'm not living in an accidental season. No, this is a setup for where God's taken me to influence more people for his glory. What Brian said is true. God has given you the hope for the world. Now don't throw off this season like it's no big deal or like you're some insignificant person in God's eyes. God has a plan for you. The question is, can you see it? Paul said in Ephesians 1, verse 18, I pray that their eyes would be open, flooded with light, so that they would know and understand the hope of which God has called you and me. Paul was praying for you and me, the churches, and he said that you would know how rich God's glorious inheritance is for his saints. Who are the saints? We are the saints, not the New Orleans saints. We are the true saints. Come on, somebody. By having the eyes of your heart and so that you would know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of God's power for us who believe. Leave that scripture up. Look at that. Immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of God's power. I think sometimes we settle for a mediocre Christian life. I think sometimes we settle for a mediocre lifestyle. We settle in sin. We settle with an addiction. We settle with, with bad behavior. We settle with a bad attitude. We say, well, this is just the way I was born. This is as good as it gets. I'm not going to change. There's not a better job for me. I don't see any promotions coming my way. There's not going to be a job down the road. I might as well settle. And God is trying to stir up his church through this, this, this missionary, this apostle Paul, he's saying, please tell the church that they serve a God who has no limits. The same God who created the sun, the moon, and the stars, the planets, that Milky Way is just a fraction. I'm not talking about the candy bar. That the, 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 the Milky Way is just a fraction of the universe that God has created. And we're gonna say that he can't turn a marriage around that he can't turn a wayward child back to God, that he can't help you go further in your business to be able to be a bigger blessing for his kingdom advancing in the earth. We're gonna limit God's power, the one who created the cosmos. Paul's saying, please open your eyes. <laughs> Come on, I like the feedback in this 11 a.m. service. There's a true story by a man named Russell Conwell who wrote this book and it went on to sell millions of copies. And with the money from the copies that he sold, he built a university called Temple University in Pennsylvania. And uh, the name of the book is really what sold it. It was called Acres of Diamonds. And it was a story about this farmer, true story, a farmer lived on this land that was really not much of land, it was pretty bad. He had a donkey, a plow, an old shack of a house. He, his wife and his daughter, they lived right there. And each day he would push his plow and he would go in home and, and, and eat these meager meals and live on these meager finances. And he was constantly feeling just discouraged by the routine of his life, the mundane. One day a traveler came by this farmer's house and the traveler said, I just came 
from a, a part of Africa where there are diamonds everywhere. Diamonds in the rivers, diamonds in the streams, diamonds throughout the jungle, and they're just waiting to be found. There's so many diamonds, there's not enough people to get them all. If you'll go there, you can make your family rich, but you gotta go get the diamonds. The farmer was so excited, he left his plow, went inside, kissed his wife, kissed his daughter, and said, I'm off to search for diamonds out there. I'm gonna make us rich. I can't wait to bring back all the riches that I'm gonna find. So he went off to search for diamonds. For months, he would search all over Africa, searching the rivers, the streams, the jungles, and he found no diamonds. Finally, after a long time, he ended up in Spain, discouraged and depressed. After being away from his family for so long, he felt, he felt like a failure, that he had nothing to bring home, no diamonds to bring home. And so he dove into a rushing river and ended his life. A tragic story. What's even more tragic is the man who came after him to buy his land, his farmland that he owned back home, came and took the same plow, living in the same shack, having the same old donkey on the same old ground. And one day when he was pushing the plow over this ground, he saw these black rocks that when he lifted them up into the sun, it, it was almost like a rainbow was trapped inside of them. And so he took the black rocks and he put them on the ledge above the fireplace. Each day, this, new, new, uh, this guy who had taken this land, he would take and find more rocks and put them over there. One day, his priest came to visit him. And his priest was eating dinner with him and looked over at the ledge and said, do you know what you have over there? The man said, oh, those black rocks? There's hundreds of them all in the backyard. They're huge. The priest took it, looked at it again, brought it over by the sink, poured some water over it. He said, how many of these do you have? He said, I, I can't even count them. There's acres and acres of these black rocks. The priest said, before I was a priest, I was a jeweler. He said, sir, these are pure diamonds. They need to be cut. They're a little rough, but you have pure diamonds. It, it was the largest diamond find in the history of diamonds. It was the De Beers Diamond Mines in that man's backyard. One man left the acres of diamonds to go search for it out there when it was beneath his feet all along. I think so many times we're convinced that success is somewhere out there. Happiness is somewhere out there. So many spouses will leave the current marriage they're in to go searching for diamonds in another person when all along they've got diamonds in their own house just waiting to be mined and waiting for the grass to be watered. Stop thinking that their yard has better grass. Start watering your own yard. How many people have left a job thinking there's no potential here? There's nothing there, there's nothing there. And they leave and there's so much potential right beneath their feet. Leaving a ministry, leaving a church, always searching for something out there. And God's saying, just dig a little deeper right where you are. Open the eyes of your spiritual heart to see the riches of his glorious inheritance for those who believe. Can I tell you where we miss a lot of diamonds? Right here. I think oftentimes we look at this book and we go, well, Paul... I've plowed through this. I mean, I've gone through all the pages. I did the daily Bible reading plan, and you know, I've, I finished that like 10 years ago, so I know, I know what's in there. There's more than meets the eye. The problem that you're facing right now in your marriage, the answer is in Ephesians 6. The situation you're facing financially, it's in Genesis 15. 
What you're walking through right now, it's in Colossians chapter two. It's in Revelation chapter three. It's in, it's in Philippians chapter four. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter three. It's in Romans 15. I'm telling you, there are diamonds waiting to be found and you keep on walking past it as if the answers are somewhere out there on the news or with the counselor. God's saying, I've got diamonds, acres of diamonds waiting for you to explore and discover right where you are. You don't have to go out there and try out the world to see if it's, if it's bad. I'm telling you, your hope is right here. There's more than meets the eye. I think sometimes we get a wandering spirit like the prodigal son who just feels frustrated in his dad's house, who's just going, I'm just bored. I just give me my inheritance so I can leave and find out what's in the world. And so that spirit of curiosity leads us away from the acres of diamonds that are right beneath our feet. And we're always, I'm telling you, a spirit of complaining will rob you of the vision of, and the potential of where you are right now. So many people get caught complaining, comparing. Uh, if I had their job, if I was married, if, I was, if we had children, then I'd be happy. If our children moved out of the house, then we'd be happy. If I was in a different state where it was more sunshine, if I was on the beach, if I lived in the mountains, happiness is not out there. Potential is not out there. It's in here, Christ in you, the hope of glory, acres of diamonds waiting to be explored. Man, I could keep preaching on that, but I feel to go into this next point. David said in Psalm 119, verse 18, Lord, open my eyes to see the wondrous things from your law. I think oftentimes we have to ask the Holy Spirit to open my eyes when I open my Bible. Open my eyes to see how amazing your words are. Open my eyes that when I read Psalms, I don't just read it for what it is. There's more than meets the eye here. That when I read through Proverbs, there's answers for my business. There's answers for my marriage. There's answers for my single season that I'm walking through. There's answers for raising kids. There's answers for the frustrations of not having kids. There's answers for the situations and, and, the, and the financial needs that I have right now. Lord, open my eyes to see your word for what it really is. There's a story in the Bible where a man's eyes are finally open to see what God has in store. And I want us to go there together. And we're going to camp out on this passage. First Kings 18, verse 41. First Kings 18, verse 41. And this is a story by a man of faith named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in that time who had been basically standing up against the false prophets in the land who worshiped God's name Baal, that were man-made gods that couldn't do anything. And Elijah proves to this wicked king Ahab that there is only one true God, and that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Elijah looks at this wicked king Ahab in verse 41, right after he embarrasses him in front of all of his people that there is no other God but the God of Israel. And he says, go get something to eat. Go get something to drink because I hear a mighty rainstorm is coming. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Now, when Elijah said this, listen to this, don't miss this. There was no rain in sight. No rain had come yet. No clouds had appeared. Here's an empty sky and Elijah is predicting the abundance of rain. Talk about like a wild forecast, right? Are you serious? There's no, there's no clouds in sight. It had been years since rain had come in Israel. And yet Elijah says, I hear the abundance of rain is coming. See, Elijah knew that God's word would come to pass. 
And verse one of 1 Kings 18, God spoke to Elijah, tell Ahab, rain is on the way. So Elijah was holding on to God's word and he was speaking it out. And I wanna give you a few takeaways from this passage. Number one, you've gotta speak by faith. If you're gonna see that there's more than meets the eye, you're gonna have to start speaking by faith. In other words, you're gonna have to speak something that hasn't happened yet. You know, faith and fear both ask the same question. They ask you to see something that hasn't happened yet. Fear asks you to see that things aren't gonna turn around. There's not gonna be a job for you. You're always gonna be in debt. Those student loans will never go away. You won't get that scholarship. Your kids won't be able to go to that school. Your marriage is gonna fall apart. Your husband's never gonna change. Your wife's never gonna change. Your kids are never gonna come back to church. And, and fear tries to get you to hold on to negative thoughts. But today I wanna challenge you to resist that spirit of fear and to grab hold of a spirit of faith. Faith says, no, God is my provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. No, heaven has not gone bankrupt. They own the cattle on a thousand hills. They're gonna help me out. God is Jehovah Nisi. He's my banner of victory. He's leading me through this. No, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. No, God is El Shaddai, my protector. He protects me. He charges angels round about me. No, God surrounds me with the shield of favor. I've got favor coming in and favor going out. David said his goodness and his mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. I will remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You got to speak by faith. Come on, church. Speak it out. What are you speaking over your life this week? I, I encourage you to speak words of faith. See, you could speak one thing or the other. Like, I'm not trying to convince you to do something that you don't already do. Most of us in this room, we call it like we see it. This is the way it is, Paul. I'm okay with facing the facts. I didn't say don't face the facts. But what I said was, instead of stating the facts once you faced them, why not speak words of faith over the facts? Look at the doctor's report. Look at where the marriage is at. Like, don't, don't get this, you know, hyper faith where you're not allowing yourself to actually look at this situation for what it really is. But when you look at it, go ahead and change the narrative and say, God, you're working all things together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. If God is for me, who can be against me? I'm saying speak faith over the facts. You've got to separate your feelings and the facts. Your feelings might feel like, Things are bad. Things will never turn around. But the fact is, you're a child of God. You are his child. He's created you in his image, and he's given you supernatural creativity to work through the situations that you're facing. Speak with faith. When I was younger, I remember watching this cartoon with my family, Pocahontas. And uh, there's this song on Pocahontas where she's going on the canoe and she goes, just around the river bend, there's so much more, just around the river bend. I don't know the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> but that part right there got me. And when I was listening to it, I go, yeah, just around the river bend. God has so much more. See, this message isn't just for people who are in bad situations. This is for people who are content with where you're at. Four months ago, I was very happy, very content as a pastor, as a daddy, as a husband, as a man of God. I was very content. But God said, hey, Paul, there's more. 
there's more than what you're doing. I've got more potential, more influence coming to victories. And if you don't have your eyes open, you're going to miss the opportunity. I'm about to bring this Hillsong Channel opportunity. And don't let fear override the, the opportunity that I'm bringing your way. I told you as a church, I almost didn't cast the vision out of fear of what our economy is like right now in our state. With the gas prices fluctuating and people losing their jobs, I almost listened to the spirit of fear that said, Paul, stop trying to dream bigger than what the church is doing right now. I almost succumbed to a spirit and a settling spirit of this is as good as it's going to get. But I started listening to that spirit of faith that says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, I will bring to pass. My words will not return void. Whatever comes out of his mouth, he's going to bring it to pass. I will not, I will not, I will not fail you, Paul. We've got to start speaking the word of faith. Next, after Elijah uh, begins to, and by the way, the words that come out of your mouth are the manifestation of the meditations that you've had. So whatever you're meditating on is gonna come out of your mouth. If you're meditating on fear, that's what's gonna come out. If you're meditating on shame, that's what's gonna come out. You've gotta start meditating on thoughts of faith and speaking it out. My dad used to lay his hands on me and John, and he would say, peaceful Paul, joyful John, peaceful Paul, because I was wild. I was crazy. And now I'm starting to realize why he did that. Because my son has some moments where he's a little bit all over the place. And uh, last night I was laying hands on him. We, we were eating together and he was going wild. And I just was like, peaceful Liam, peaceful, loving Liam, gracious Liam, calm Liam. And, uh, but sometimes you gotta speak the words of faith even though it may not be happening in the moment. Next, it says Elijah, when he said that to Ahab, verse 42, he climbed up the top of Mount Carmel. Here's a takeaway for that verse right there. You gotta come up higher. Church, we've gotta come up higher. You were not born to stay at a level of discouragement, at a level of condemnation, at a level of living under the surface. You were not born to be a victim. You were born to be a victor. You were not born to constantly say, I'm unqualified, I'm not good enough, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed out, I'm worried. No, you were called to come up higher. I heard a story about this baby eagle that was abandoned by its mom and was left in a field and this man found the baby eagle and he took it back home and he had a bunch of chickens and he put the baby eagle in his chicken coop. Over time, that baby eagle started walking like a chicken, balking like a chicken, bark, bark, bark. That was a really bad chicken noise. Started living like a chicken, eating like a chicken, mating like, well, here's the main point what I'm saying here. Chickens, they live on a certain level. Follow me with this church, come on. Chickens live on a certain level. They eat whatever it's right in front of them. They mate with whoever's right in front of them. They think like whatever's right. In, they don't have a big picture. They never get out of the area that they're living in right there. When a storm comes, chickens are under the storm. When the rain falls, chickens are under the rain, right? But eagles were born to soar higher than the storms. Eagles were born to fly over the fog. Eagles were born to fly above the rain. Eagles weren't meant to think down here, to live down here, to mate with down here. Eagles were born to be higher. 
And some of us have settled for a lower standard of living. We've settled in a standard of sin. We've settled in a standard of addicted, and I can't break it. I'm telling you, you were born to soar higher than where you're living right now. Get out of that thought pattern. Get out of that generational curse. You were born to live like an eagle. It's time to come up higher. One day, this man's friend came over to his house, and he saw the baby eagle with the chickens, and he said, that's not a chicken, that's an eagle. And his friend said, yeah, but he's been living with the chickens and acting like the chickens, balking like a chicken. The man said, let me try something. He pulls the eagle up, puts it on the ledge of the fence, and he says, you are an eagle. You were born to soar like an eagle, so go and fly, little eagle. The eagle looked at him, looked back at the chickens, and went right back down to the chicken coop. Started walking with the chickens, living like the chickens, balking like the chickens, talking like the chickens. So the next day, the man comes back and he says, hold on, I'm going to try this again. Takes the eagle out of the chicken coop, puts him on the fence. You are an eagle. You were born to soar like an eagle, fly like an eagle. So go and fly, little eagle. Eagle looks at the man, looks back at the chicken coop, goes back to living like an eagle, barking like an eagle, walking like an eagle. Finally, the third day, this man takes this eagle and says, we got to get out of here. Because your environment shapes the way that you live. Your environment, the people that you hang with, the words you listen to, the friends that you connect with. It starts creating thought patterns and words and lifestyles. And you start settling on standards that you used to uphold. And now you've dropped the standards. And so he said, we got to get out of here. So he takes the eagle in his truck with his friend. And they drive several miles from this man's house to the edge of a cliff where there's this big canyon. And he takes the eagle right to the edge of the cliff. And he says, you are an eagle. You were born to soar like an eagle. So go and fly like an eagle. He throws the eagle off the edge of the cliff. The eagle starts freaking out, flapping and balking and talking like a chicken. But somewhere in its fall, it spreaded its wings and it began to take flight and soar like an eagle. Church, we are called to come up higher. Elijah, in order for him to see beyond what the natural eyes could see, he had to climb up higher. But watch what happens next. Once he climbs up Mount Carmel, it says that he got down on his knees. He bowed down. Here's the next takeaway. You've got to get down lower. What an oxymoron that Elijah would climb up higher only to get down lower. But this is the point of the gospel. That we come up higher in our thoughts with Christ, but that we get down lower as a servant of Christ. That we become dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And then Elijah put his face between his knees. So the next point is this, close your eyes. That you would close your natural eyes so you can open your spiritual eyes. That when you bow down and you get real with God and say, God, I don't know how this situation is going to work out. God, I don't know if there's a job for me. God, I don't know how my finances are going to turn around. God, I don't know if you have a spouse for me, but I refuse to settle in a land of mediocrity. And I'm on my knees and I'm asking for your help and I'm closing my eyes to the current so I can open my eyes to the supernatural. I'm closing my eyes to what I see that's right in front of me so I can open my eyes to see what you have in store for me. Oftentimes I have to close my eyes physically so I can open my eyes spiritually. It's okay to pray with your eyes open, but I think there's something powerful that when you close your eyes, you begin to imagine the miracle 
happening. You begin to imagine the breakthrough coming. You begin to imagine where you weren't able to have children, where there's been miscarriages and you felt barren, that God is able to bring that conception of that child that you've been dreaming of. Somewhere when Hannah was praying for a baby, in her desperate prayers on her knees, God began to give her the breakthrough in her heart. God began to do it for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, each person in the Bible. God has breakthroughs in store for you, but sometimes you have to close your eyes to what you see out here. In fact, sometimes when I'm preaching, I will have to close my eyes because oftentimes my eyes get caught on what I see in the natural, not in the 11 a.m. service, <laughs> but every now and then I'll catch eyes and worship team, you can come up. I'll catch eyes with someone who might be falling asleep, might feel bored, might look like they're confused or angry at me. <laughs> And, or might be walking out right while I'm preaching. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes, <laughs> gotcha. Sometimes, come on, I love all you guys. But sometimes I gotta close my eyes and go, no God, they need this. They need these words. It may not show on their faces, but you said to Jeremiah chapter one, don't be afraid of their faces. So God, I take hold of that. <laughs> And Lord, I preach by faith. God, I see every seat filled. I see the overflow rooms filled. I see millions of people watching online, on TV, being reached with the message. God, I see the breakthrough coming for the financial need that we have in this church. I see breakthroughs coming for married couples in this room. I see breakthroughs for singles in this room. I see breakthroughs for college students in this room. God, I see things turning around in that wayward son and that rebellious daughter. Lord, I believe that as I close my eyes, you are stirring up a vision inside me that is about to manifest on the outside. Elijah prayed. Verse 43, he told his servant, go look out there. Tell me what you see. Go tell me what you see out there. So he went up, looked, and he said, there's nothing. How many times have we been in a situation where we look out and we go, there's nothing, right? You pull up your bank account and you're like, there's nothing. <laughs> you try to talk to your boss about a raise, nothing changes. You try to talk to your spouse about an issue that they've been uh, having and, and nothing changes. You try to maybe discipline your child who's been acting rebellious and nothing's changing. There's nothing. Elijah, I know you, you told me to look, but I know you say that rain's coming, but I don't see any rain out there. Maybe you're that college student that just graduated and there's no job opportunities yet going, God, there's nothing. I'm really stressed right now. Elijah says, go look again. Go, go again? But I just went. Go again. Okay. Okay. Elijah, there's nothing. We haven't had rain in years. I'm telling you, there's no rain. Go again. Again? This is the third time. Go again. Elijah keeps sending him back time and time again. I think so many times we quit before we see the breakthrough because we think it's supposed to happen like right after we sow a seed that God's gonna all of a sudden bring a harvest in our life, right? We quit going to church because after six months, we haven't found any friends yet, right? But we haven't even stepped out to be friendly. <laughs> we quit on a marriage because our spouse hasn't changed their problem and we've been praying to God for six whole days. And God's saying, pray again. We give up on praying for situations to turn around. Maybe it's 
someone in this room that is a parent and one of your children has been disobedient and, and rebellious and just been having this terrible attitude and you're going, God, I, I don't know what to do. I keep on trying so hard. And God says, spank her again. I'm just kidding. Put her in timeout again. Ground her again. Come on, don't make me go old school on y'all. I was born being spanked. I think we all were actually. Uh, <laughs> Here's the main point. You gotta keep on waiting till the breakthrough comes. You've gotta keep on watching till your breakthrough. Don't stop watching. Don't stop working. Don't stop circling. See, sometimes we go to the gym and we think after working out one day, we're going, come on, God. I thought I was supposed to have some muscles. God says, do it again. But God, but God, I've been working out. God says, keep working out. Keep on running. Keep on pushing. Keep going. Keep going. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Keep on going. Keep on going. The breakthrough's coming. The breakthrough's coming. The breakthrough's coming. Keep on going. Come on, don't make me do a thousand push-ups in here. Why do we quit after a few times? God's saying, you gotta keep on going. Come on, dad. Come on, businessman. But God, there hasn't been any breakthrough. We haven't gotten any new clients, right? I mean, it's just a drought year. God, I just lost my job. There's no, there's no one hiring guys my age. There's no one hiring people in this season of life. I mean, God, God's saying, you gotta keep praying. You gotta keep standing on faith. You gotta keep expecting those who wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I'm gonna keep preaching until I see the breakthrough in this room. <laughs> and here's what we gotta remember. We don't do what we do for the audience of everyone out there. We do what we do for the audience of one who's got exceedingly abundantly above, immeasurably more power to work in and through you. God's given you a destiny. He's given you a dream. And just because maybe in one season, things don't go the way that you hoped they would go, God says, don't give up. Don't you quit. You keep going back to the edge of the cliff. I'm telling you, rain is coming. Favor is coming. Your dream will come to pass. You gotta keep on watching till your breakthrough comes. I imagine David, when he was prophesied over by Samuel, who said, David, you're gonna become king of Israel one day. After 13 years, the dream hadn't happened yet. But somewhere, maybe on that 14th year, David must have written that one psalm, I will remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in my life. I will see God's fulfillment of the prophetic words that have been spoken over me when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. There's words that have been spoken over you that haven't happened yet. And God sent me here today to tell you it's about to come to pass. Don't you give up. Don't you quit praying over your children, over your finances, over your life singles, God's got the perfect mate for you. Don't settle for a chicken. You were born to soar like an eagle. You better rise up above that sin, above that storm, above that weary, above that stress. Come up higher. Verse 44, 
after the seventh time, the servant comes to Elijah and he says, uh, there is a cloud, <laughs> but it's as small as a man's hand. I want you to just put your hand out just for a second like this and just make a little like this big, <laughs> right? This small. That's what the servant showed to Elijah. You know what Elijah did when he saw that? Elijah goes, oh no, you better get ready. Get your chariot ready. You got to get down there before the rain takes you over. <laughs> the servant must have been looking at Elijah like, I said the size of a hand. It's a small cloud, Elijah. There's not a rainstorm coming, like only one client. It's not like our business is booming yet. We got one and we don't even know if they got money. Like it's just a cloud, right? There's just one call on the house. It's not like they've promised to buy it yet. We don't know if anything's happening, right? She didn't roll her eyes this time. It's not like we should exaggerate what happened. There's not been much change, but you got to celebrate the small clouds because big rainstorms come from small clouds. Big things happen in small clouds. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. The Lord loves to see the work begin. Don't despise small beginnings. You need this. You need this. Your spirit needs this. Because there's someone in this room, someone who's watching online, someone who's watching on TV, and things haven't turned around. It just seems so small. I think about how Billy Graham when he was a teenager, he was asked to preach his first sermon. He was so nervous. He preached, he had four sermons prepared. He preached all four of them in 10 minutes and then ran off the stage. He was so nervous. He could have quit after that and said, man, I'm, I'm really not called to this. I really messed up. But that one small beginning would launch the day where he would preach to millions of people. I think about a girl named Darlene, a blonde head girl who sang in the back of a choir in Australia at a church that really wasn't on the map at all in their nation back then. But one day God was giving this girl Darlene some songs and she was just a young blonde girl in her 20s singing in the back of the choir. And the worship leader got sick and they said, we need somebody to step up to the front. So Darlene came up to the front. She said, I got a song. I don't know if it's much. And she sang this song that she had written called Shout to the Lord. Darlene Check went on to be one of the most successful worship leaders who's written songs that have been sung around the world. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. I think about a young couple who was struggling and, 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 and hated each other during certain seasons, wanted to divorce multiple times, interning at a church, serving as youth group ministers, driving guest speakers around, and they really didn't know what God was gonna do with their lives. But last weekend they preached. Their names were John and Lisa Bevere. They've been ministering now for 34 years. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. You might just be an intern there. See, and this is the difference between someone who sees the acres of diamonds beneath their feet. See, someone might be flipping burgers at a McDonald's down the road, discouraged, comparing his life to other people who are working awesome jobs. The guy next to him is flipping burgers. And in two years, he's gonna own not only that McDonald's, he's gonna own 15 more McDonald's in the state of Oklahoma. 
Why? Because he realizes there's diamonds here. There's potential at this company. I'm not just here to do this. God has so much more. Watch what happens next. This is the end of the sermon. Verse 45, the rain comes down surely as Elijah predicted. The rain falls. And in verse 46, God gives Elijah supernatural strength as he goes forward. God's got supernatural, boundless strength, boundless faith, limitless hope for you. I want you to stand up on your feet this morning all over this room.